Hi, my name is Steve Carr, your host on Talking IoT. Have you ever wondered what the difference is between tracking, locating, and positioning within IoT? The unfortunate truth is that in many organizations, they interchange these very different terms when defining their project requirements, assuming that they're one and the same. The distinction matters and can prove very costly, delay deployments, or even result in project failure. Today we'll be discussing these terms, which are wrongly and commonly interchanged. I'm very pleased to have with us today two guests, Jimmy Wind. Jimmy is the CEO of Versa, who are focused on driving smart tracking solutions to optimize logistics. And Warwick Tours. Warwick is a CTO of a company called Vitra, who looked to answer the question, where is my stuff and what is it doing? We'll start with a brief introduction from our guests. Jimmy, why don't you go first and tell us a little about yourself and your organization? All right. Thanks for uh, having us on the show. My name is Jimmy Wint. I'm from, from Versa. Uh, been worked since 2016. Originally, we focused on improving the baggage service for airline tracking their check-in bags. And then we, we ventured out into uh, a more broader range of uh, solutions to track uh, assets and shipments in logistics to help optimize logistics for different kinds of, uh, of use cases. And, and Warwick, a brief introduction to yourself and to Vitra. Thanks, Steve. Warwick Tours is my name. CTO at Witra, I've been there for about eight and a half years now. We focus on answering the question, as you said, where's my stuff and what is it doing? And that naturally needs two different kinds of data. One being sensor data to provide context for an asset tracking tag, an asset management tag, and the other being positioning data. Hence, we get into the, <laughs> the definition of positioning versus uh, tracking. Thanks, guys, and welcome. So, Warwick, what do you see as the fundamental difference between tracking, locating, uh, and, and positioning? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think often these terms are used interchangeably. From our perspective, when we talk about positioning of an object or an asset, we're referring to where it is physically in that building at at a given point in time. Tracking is more referring to, if you look at the, let's say a map and you want to see the path of something that's moving, the path that it's taking or has taken, like a trail of breadcrumbs, we would refer to that more as tracking. So being able to see where the, the object is going during its journey. Yeah, location, position, I, I think that's where they are used interchangeably. And for us, it, it <laughs> It, it can be a subtle difference, but you know, many people talk about the real time location system. And again, that's then getting back into tracking. So the real time element uh, is where that comes in location for, for me, it's fairly similar to positioning. Jimmy, from what you said at the start of your introduction, Versa seems to be very much a, a tracking technology. Is it the one technology that you use or do you use multiple devices within your deployment in order to track? Now we use multiple uh, devices, Steve, good question. So initially we were fully focused on tracking uh, shipments. So tracking a shipment, a parcel, which was transported from A to B using multiple modes of transport and really enable the shipper, the freight forwarder, and also the, uh, the end customer to know where shipment is, what the expected estimated time of arrival was, and after the fact, enable a uh, breadcrumb trail to see where the package was. And if something went wrong, then to pinpoint where it went wrong, let's say, for example, uh, a shipment of, of medicine 
if the temperature was breached, that you could see exactly where the temperature de deviation took place, which would enable the discussions with insurance companies, for example, uh, to help solve that, that question. So that's really interesting. One of the things that you're doing in terms of tracking, you're following on from Warwick's initial comment where they're actually sensing and as well. So you're actually sensing the devices as well as tracking the devices because many devices on the market today are just pure trackers, right? From what you've just said, your, yeah. your solution actually has some sensing capability associated to it. Yeah. So we have sensing capabilities in the sense that we can sense conditions like temperature, humidity, and light. But we also sense on which mode of transportation the tracker is, which helps us optimize the performance. We, because we could say if the tracker's on a van, you need a more frequent update of the location because it's, it's approaching its destination. Whereas if the device is on an ocean freighter, you don't need a quarterly update because A, it will drain the battery, but B, it doesn't make any sense on a three-week journey to have a, an update at the, every 15 minutes. So we know which mode the, the tracker is and the shipment, and then we uh, dynamically adjust the uh, tracker. And uh, this started with the initial product that we developed for air transportation. Uh, in the tracker, we incorporated a, a receiver which receives the airplane signal. So we know which airplane uh, the tracker is, which provides very relevant information, but it also enabled us to switch off the device during uh, the flight to save battery and to be compliant with all the aviation regulations globally. So I love the fact that this is really a smart solution for logistics, especially with the, the FAA approvals you managed to get and also the, the marine side. We talked at the start about the, uh, the complication or, or the interchangeability of, of these terms. One of the other clear aspects, which I think confuses the marketplace somewhat, is the difference between what is real-time location and what isn't, and also the indoor and outdoor scenario. Real-time location appears to be the holy grail that people try to pursue where actually that isn't a requirement. What, what are your thoughts around that subject matter? That's a good question, Steve. And this often comes up uh, in discussions with customers. I think at the end of the day, you need to understand the use case and more particularly, what are the problems or the problem that the customer is trying to solve? And there can be more than one, of course. But of course, when you talk about tracking a device, if power source available on that device that you can power your own um, asset tag with, then you're in a battery powered scenario, which the vast majority of use cases um, that we're involved in. And then you always, always come back to this equation of, well, update rate, what do you need for update rate versus battery life? And you get backed into a corner because the customer says, oh yeah, I need, I need one second update rate. Yeah, because that's what I get on my GPS on my phone. But when you start analyzing the business case, very often it's not like that at all. And you can do, you know, as Jimmy's just outlined, you can do smart things in the asset tag itself, context awareness to optimize how often you actually need to get a position update. There's two aspects. Taking the, the position generally involves using energy and then transmitting that information off the tag to the infrastructure takes energy as well. So it can be a complicated question, but really it's what's the use case? What are you trying to solve here? And then that really drives the, the design of the system. We've seen instances where customers are looking for complete tracking with inside an indoor type environment, which is very different to tracking from an external to type environment. Clearly you, you don't have necessarily line of sight. You don't have 
GPS. You know, in, in those types of scenarios, what would you recommend or, or how would you help them in terms of scoping that project? For, for example, if somebody said they wanted to track the forklift running around a warehouse, how would you actually go about doing that? What could they expect to see? Because a breadcrumb doesn't really work in an effective manner. Yeah, again, it, it, I guess it gets back to this energy equation. The forklift, it, it has an energy source. So in that sense, maybe you don't have to worry so much about uh, battery because you can then provide external power for your, your asset tag. Then, it's, then it gets back to the infrastructure that's needed to track that. You know, if you're talking about a use case where you have a handful of forklifts in a very large warehouse, it doesn't make sense for an enormously expensive infrastructure to track uh, a handful of forklifts. So, the, you know, you have to look around at the what options you have for that. Our particular offering is very suited to these kind of use cases because we have a, a low density mesh infrastructure, which uh, means that we, we have very few mesh anchor points and we can still position reasonably accurately with our infrastructure. If, if you try doing it, for example, over a Wi-Fi network um, you know, or even a BLE network, you need a pretty high density of beacons or um, anchor points in, in that setup. We're, we're typically all about solving these kind of problems on a site. By that, I mean, it's got a defined boundary. Uh, geographically, then we can cover that site with our mesh, whether it's indoors or outdoors or underground or up in a high rise building. We have a 3D positioning engine and it just, it takes its positioning references from the mesh anchor point. And because we're using sub gigahertz frequencies and we have a fairly sophisticated way of measuring the, the position of the asset tags, we, we can use this low density network with relatively few anchor points. Makes a lot of sense. So, so Jimmy, just coming back to yourself and, and your solution appears to be much more externally orientated. Is that correct? Or, or do you track externally and internally? So originally, like I said previously, we focused on external tracking and tracking from A to B on, on a global level, uh, using the airplane as the main uh, means of, of transport. But, but because of the fact that we started with tracking baggage, uh, where it goes wrong is predominantly an indoor uh, type of area. We did have a pretty good focus on indoor as well, right from the start. Uh, and, and, and to make sure that we enabled ground handlers to track things like bags in a densely packed baggage hall, we used a combination of generic tracking using things like a GSM cell tower sniffing and Wi-Fi access point sniffing to get a pretty good idea of where the bag would be, but then complement this with a BLE uh, tracking. We developed a, a special smartphone tool to point the baggage handler towards the bag. The combination of generic tracking based on the, the, the tracking capabilities in the tracker, but complement that with other ways to do more proximity-based tracking indoors. So one of the, the key challenges, I guess, comes down to range or location accuracy. You've tracked a device, a device is somewhere you now want to locate that device. What positioning accuracy can you achieve? Yeah, so that's following the uh, following the app basically. So the uh, the baggage handler would see the, the the bag in his screen, and he would see arrows pointing him in an augmented reality type way towards the bag, and and see the remaining distance to the, to the bag. Okay, so it, it's I mean clear, clearly it's one of one of the big challenges that the people actually have. So when people are actually looking to define their project, what what do you see? And this really Warwick to yourself first of all. What do you see as 
as to core perceived needs versus actual requirements that they should be looking at? What, what are the key external factors that need consideration when they're actually defining a solution? You know, defining the, the requirements properly is, is always a challenge. And we see when we come talk to a customer, you can get one view from, you know, the operations manager or the, the site manager, but you go and talk to the people on the floor, they're actually doing the work. And they have, sometimes they have quite a different view of what the, the needs are and what the problem to be. So I think it, yeah, defining the requirements with as many stakeholders as you can get hold of is important to, to understand the problem properly. Um, you have to look at the, the, the context of, of the site. Often you can go to a site and start with one problem or a set of problems to solve. And then you do a proof of concept that we call it a proof of value for a trial, like a month or two months. And at the end of that, there's five additional requirements that have been added in by the customer because they've seen the possibility to solve other problems with the system. So it's important to be able to offer a technology solution that is scalable and, and expandable because what we've seen a lot in the industry is IoT vendors who are peddling one particular flavor, one type of technology. And, and walking into customers and, and saying, yeah, this is going to solve all your problems, but it doesn't. So, so, so that goes back to the unification argument. And I think in, in this instance, both Versa and Vitra, looking at your product sets and how those product sets are put together, use multiple standards and multiple protocols in order to achieve tracking and positioning. One of the, the key challenges that some uh, clients have is they, they want to be able to track. When we talk A to B, and, and Jimmy, you, you, you talked about you were tracking A to B from a flight perspective. However, many of them, when it lands in a particular building, they might want to go down to what we defined as, as location accuracy, a point on a shelf um, in a room, which obviously is not covered by the, the, the Versa technology. How would you integrate or how can you integrate um, your technology with other, other technology? Uh, maybe to add a little bit more color around that statement, if you take the Vitra solution, could you, in theory, connect to a Vitra device so that when the Vitra device leaves a campus, the Versa device could take over? Yeah, we could. So that's what we basically developed. What we came across was questions from customers that said, okay, so your tracker is a great product, uh, but putting a tracker everywhere costs us a fortune. So isn't there a way to track multiple boxes in the shipment without having to add a lots of, uh, lots of trackers? So that's why we looked at ways to do that. And what we did is made our tracker into a, a BLE gateway. Uh, so any type BLE tag or uh, label. So we, all, we are working with multiple partners that uh, develop these size labels. And depending on the required battery lifetime, uh, whether it's an outdoor or indoor use case, we can select the, light, the right type label or tag, identify that uh, based on the BLE signature as a friendly uh, tag in our system. And then any tag of that particular brand that's picked up by one of our trackers will collect the data and send it to the platform. And then we expose that with the API, which we also use for our trackers. And to extend that, we also created a version of the tracker, which is not battery powered, which is connected to a power socket or, or power over ethernet so that also we can provide continuity by also being able to, to collect the data in station situations like warehouses or, or retail, retail locations where we have use cases. So it's creating an open set of technology 
so that we can connect uh, because we, we don't think that uh, I think Warwick pointed that out. There's not one Swiss Army knife type uh, tracking uh, hardware that you can buy. There's different types of hardware that you need in different uh, situations, different customer requirements. You, you just said a really, really uh, important thing that you see that many customers are looking for that silver bullet, that they're looking for that technology, that solution that gives them everything uh, in, in one deployment. And yeah. I think unifying not just the various uh, protocols and standards that are there, but actually companies unifying technologies in order to cover that. Um, it really is an important aspect of being successful with, with it within the space. In terms of external positioning, Jimmy, so I, I know you're using Cellular, you're using Nora, you're, you're using a number of other technologies in there. Are you using satellite? Is, is satellite something that you'll be considering with your technology? We talked about it quite a bit, but we haven't added it to the solution uh, because in a terrestrial situation, GSM coverage is normally pretty good. Uh, and you have to look at it from a coverage perspective, but also from a cost perspective. So we haven't found any use cases that have the big market potential, which require satellite and adding satellite to a product obviously would, would increase the bomb cost uh, and, it, and it would also increase the subscription fee. So like I said, there's no Swiss army knife of, of trackers. So we try to not be that too broad on the scope of our, our product too much. Makes absolute sense. Just coming back to Vitra um, and, and, and to Warwick. I mean, Warwick, we've spoken a bit about how you deploy the anchor points. What type of technology are you actually using to do your positioning? Yeah, our, our mesh is built on the sub gigahertz. We use six low PAM. So that gives us mesh. Having anchor points provides uh, reference points, reference locations to be able to do a, a form of triangulation. So a little bit like the way our GPS satellites work. We are measuring the time that the radio signal takes to travel from an asset tag to an anchor point and back. And then we do that for several anchor points. So if you have more than three different anchor points, you can do a triangulation. It's actually called trilateration, but most people know triangulation calculation, which gives you a three-dimensional location on the site. And we then place that on a map of the site and a floor level. Can you get down to decimeter positioning? Okay. So the, the sub gigahertz technology is not capable of resolving to much better than uh, a few meters. That's uh, what happens when you have a narrow band signal. It's well known uh, as a, a physical constraint of radio systems in general. So we've taken the approach that if customer needs sub-meter, sub-half-meter accuracy, and some customers do need that, then we have a modular hardware concept and you can click on additional sensors and devices onto our basic asset tag. And one of our click-ons is an ultra-wideband radio. UWB, ultra-wideband, is what it says. It uses an ultra-wide frequency spectrum to have high accuracy, high precision locate or yeah, positioning. What we do is if there's an area of the site that needs this high accuracy positioning, then you click on uh, UWB modules onto your anchor points in those, in that zone, that area. And then you click on the UWB radio onto the tags, which correspondingly need this high accuracy, but you might not need this over the whole site. Typically you don't, it's rooms or uh, part of the warehouse, for example, where they need this accuracy. 
So you only need to spend this money in those areas that require that level of accuracy. Other the several meter level of accuracy tends to be good enough for many use cases on other parts of the site. In theory, this is when you're getting down to decimeter, that would be, I guess, defining UWB as RTLS, real-time location solutions, because the signal latency is not really there. It's milliseconds. Yeah. So if, and, and I guess that's the other um, aspect of UWB is that because it can derive a position very, very quickly, because as you say, these signals are yeah, nanosecond level signals on the air. A, it's very power efficient and B, you can get a frequent position update because it doesn't spend much time on the air to derive the position. Jimmy, just, just coming back and I just want to stay on the subject of tracking positioning, what we've just talked about in terms of real-time location system. In, in terms of external tracking, and, and you, I, I know you guys produce a breadcrumb, is your device acting in real time or, or is it acting at certain points in, in time? When we talk to companies that want to use our, our solution or are looking for a tracking solution, they, they want to have it all. So they want to have a, a, a live update and what Warwick was referring to, I, I often get, uh, get asked as well. So can you show me a, a, a smartphone like live uh, uh, positioning update like you see the Uber car in the, in the Uber app? And I want a very long battery life that doesn't work together. So the way our system works is that you can set the, uh, the, uh, the update interval, which can be as short as a minute or it can be, it can be longer. And then based on context, we dynamically optimize the update interval to avoid unnecessary battery drainage. So our philosophy is make tracking as easy as possible without too many, uh, manual, uh, activities. So that's why we don't have on off buttons on our tracking devices. They, they switch on and off based on motion. So if an object is stationary in a warehouse for a week, uh, that our tracking device will go into deep sleep and it will do, it, it won't do anything until it, it gets moving again. So that's what we do, but the tracker will automatically generate a location update based on the interval, which is set in the pattern and until uh, somebody changes it. And when we get an update, we try to do it as battery efficient as possible. So if we're on a lower network, we use if the tracker sees enough cell towers and Wi-Fi access points, we, we do that. And if, and if all else fails, we invoke GPS, which is, which is consuming a lot of power. One of my reasons for asking was really, there's a lot of confusion about breadcrumbing um, and what it looks like. So from an external perspective, if you're moving product or assets um, across multiple geographies on, on a global basis, then there's a clear value in terms of having a visualization of that breadcrumb, when you look at yep. what's happening in terms of a, a warehouse type environment, it doesn't appear to make a huge amount of sense because all you're going to end up doing is having a, a lot of lines crossing each other at different points in time because a vehicle could have been driving around the same rack all day. So it goes down to really customers trying to understand exactly what they're trying to achieve over what period and how they do that. Uh, uh, a final couple of questions. So staying with yourself, Jimmy, first of all, what do you see as the next emerging IoT technologies for tracking and, and, and positioning? I think Wideband was already, what was already mentioned, but other than that, we try to focus on what's generally available uh, because we want to provide solutions that don't require a lot of uh, infrastructure investment. And we try to, because we work on a global scale, make products which use well-known, tried and tested technologies. So 
we're not too much focused on on seeing new technologies which would bring additional benefit, but which we are not are not uh, tried and tested technologies. And Warwick, going across to yourself, same question. You guys are focused much more on on, on a campus orientation, so it might be a different answer. Yeah, for sure. UWB has been developing at a fast pace in the last couple of years, and now it's been brought into the standards area. So. There is a standard now for UWB on uh, mobile phones. So that's been one area of fast development and, and we see that will continue because of the benefits that it brings to high accuracy location. As it's downside, it's very limited range. Uh, for example, doesn't penetrate through walls very well. The antennas are very sensitive, but yeah, you can make the other area that we see is obviously we're continuing to develop our sub gigahertz location technology. So providing a low cost infrastructure with few anchor points we'll continue to develop that and alongside that part of that answer is we're making now making use of ai and machine learning in the network to improve the reliability and the precision of, of the positioning measurements from my viewpoint and talking to both of you today uh, and, and in summary customers need to scope better the projects that they've got really understand uh, significantly more the external factors that they're looking to try and achieve and actually move away from just assuming that everything is tracking its different requirements for different types of applications. Do you, do you see there a time where, where maybe there could be a, a vitraversa type uh, collaboration and solution um, allowing somebody to track internally, externally? Uh, it, it just appears to me that could be an awesome solution co covering all, all eventualities. I can jump in there, Steve, and, and say, yes, for sure. We, because Bluetooth is such a, a globally deployed technology and it goes right across consumer through into industry, it's very relevant here. And we also have Bluetooth radio in our tag. We don't use it at the moment for locating or tracking purposes, but I can absolutely see a, a use case where we can make use of versus BLE gateways and have our tags hop onto a Versa solution uh, and then hop off somewhere and go back into a, a Witra network. So absolutely. I see that too, Steve, because we often run into use cases where the level of accuracy required indoors on a campus in a warehouse where they want to exactly know where a piece of clothing or a box is. And then I think which could provide additional value, which we don't uh, provide with our current uh, piece of, uh, of hardware. Portfolio. It, it feels to me that not only are we trying to unify standards and protocols and deliver IoT backbones, we're also looking here at how do we collaborate in order to really give that silver bullet solution to customers as we go forward. So gentlemen, thank you very much. I wish you and your organizations every success and look forward to discussing your progress in the future. Thanks a lot, guys.